Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Welcome to your Thursday. It's the 30th of November, everybody. Christmas around the corner. Christmas is already here in Tangs every time I walk in. Joining me as we break down all the market action. How's the week looking? Ryan Huang, good morning. Good morning. Guess what? It is Cyber Thursday today. Hurrah! Does that mean it's a sale day? It is a sale if you are looking for a cyber truck. Elon Musk is holding a launch of his long-awaited cyber truck. You know the fancy pickup yeah. that looks like it's from the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a toaster, look a bit like a military vehicle as well. Does it look a big toaster? Don't anybody bring an axe to it? Remember what <laughs> happened last time? Supposed to be <laughs> indestructible, so they say. Until a window shattered last time. Let's see if they do better this time. All right, Cyber Thursday, hey? I'm barely over, what was it? Cyber Monday. I'm sure there's another one around the corner, 12-12, and then what have you, 13-13. Shopping continues. (laughs) All right, let's start the morning off with a couple of the biggest names in corporate America. One is an automaker. The other sells stories and experiences. And really, both have seen their market value decline quite substantially in recent years. Now, both firms are making changes. In their attempt to woo back investors, our companies in focus this morning are the Walt Disney Company and General Motors. So I want to start with GM because less than two years ago, GM shares were trading above 60 US dollars a share. Today, there was barely half that amount. The company is facing higher costs in part because of its agreement with auto workers. Remember? the end of that strike, as well as a difficult transition to electric vehicles. So what is GM going to try to do to essentially regain Wall Street's confidence, right? Yeah. So what do you do when you want to make people happy? You reward them. Mm. And this is with some of the plans to give back um, in terms of shareholder buybacks. $10 billion worth, also boosting dividends, so rewarding shareholders. And they had a pretty decent quarter, so they are reinstating their guidance. And this is, of course, off the back of the strikes that were threatening to derail future quarters and production and, of course, sales. So with that out of the way, it's, I guess, a clearer road ahead for GM to do more and I suppose they have a lot to do and that's where they're going to start and this is where they've outlined what's going to be coming up finalizing the budget for next year to mm. just right the ship again. Yeah, that budget for next year, according to their GM, is going to have to offset higher labour costs by cutting costs elsewhere. So the year of fat trimming for GM ahead, we are going to see a substantial increase in quarterly dividends as well as a $10 billion US dollar share buyback plan. So what do you make of these moves? None of these seem to be a substantial change to exactly how GM carries out its business. Do you think that it's going to be enough as a whole, these moves to bring investors back on board? Yeah, that's a good question. So going to those dividend um, upside boosts, it is a 33% jump to $0.12 cents per share. So not too shabby. I believe investors will like the news. So the big question is, longer term, what's in store for GM? I think this is where the picture gets a bit less clear because you've got so many issues for them to navigate. One is what's happening on the labour front. Now, now it's resolved, but who knows if it might crop up again because wages will continue to be something that will put pressure on these companies. Mm. And also competition. Everyone's talking about the next big thing when it comes to vehicles. 
GM among them going to EVs. Mm-hmm. And the EV space is still up for grabs. So they have their work cut out for them in terms of competition, in terms of expenses, and managing investor expectations. Yeah, GM shares up 9% overnight. So the initial reaction at least seems very positive. All right, I want to put on my Mickey hat now. Let's all head to Disney. Two and a half years ago, its share price was near $200. Mm-mm. Today, it trades for about $90. US So like GM, its market cap is worth less than half what it was not too long ago. Bob Iger, you remember, came out of retirement uh, a year ago trying to address Disney's problems. And since then, Disney's been on a belt tightening sort of exercise cutting 7,000 jobs it expects to save some 7.5 billion US dollars this year thanks largely to those jobs cuts as well as lower spending on content but at a town hall meeting this week Disney's CEO Bob Iger has pledged a very different approach moving forward he says that 2023 was characterized by mending parts of Disney's business that needed attention but after quote a lot of fixing he is ready to start building again. So what are Iger's plans? What exactly is he building? Yeah, Bob Iger is one of those business leaders that a lot of people look up to because he can deliver and he's seen as a Mr. Fix-It of sorts. But this year, he's been on a bit of a Mr. Knock-It-Down, Break-It-Apart and try to make sure they've got the right pieces. So he's been restructuring and that means cutting jobs. People have been let go on the front Thousands of jobs, 7,000 jobs this year. And he's been talking to folks like, hey, do you guys want to buy my cable channel, ABC? Mm. Well, that's off the table right now. He seems to have done enough. That's what he feels at least. So that's something he is saying is over. The deconstruction phase is done. Now it's time to start building again. So he is looking forward to a couple of things um, like theme parks in Shanghai, Disneyland. He is looking quite optimistic on that front. He's talking about expanding that. And I think going forward, um, we can look forward to more things that he feels can be prioritized, pumping in the resources and you know, doing away with the less painful work. So the hard work in that sense is done. Now he can look forward to splashing the cash to invest in his future. Also looking to rebuild Disney's movie studio business, Iger says it suffered from making too many films. Just think about Wish. So just to recap, his three priorities are developing a full ESPN streaming service, rebuilding the studio business of Disney and expanding those theme parks. Right on the face of it all, Iger's plans sound a little bit more substantial to me than Mary Barra's chess moves over at uh-huh. GM. So do you think Iger's going to succeed in really transforming Disney's business, wooing back Wall Street? It might take some time. So on that front, he has pledged that he will stay around on his current contract till 2026. Bear in mind, he came back just not too long ago. I believe it was last year in November. Um, so this is something that he feels probably will need a few years to play through. Um, and you mentioned the movie business. It hasn't been doing as well in recent times. You had Wish, a bit of a disappointment. Marvels was also a bit of a flop. Um, but bear in mind, he was actually the person in charge when they acquired Pixar yeah. and Marvel. Mm. And this is the early part of his career. So he knows what works and in that sense, he probably has a recipe to find success again. So I am looking forward to 
More, more magic from Bob Iger. Overnight, Disney shares finished flat at $92.55 a share. Let's see if the magic extends to the share price in the near future. Here at home, two locally listed companies are making major changes to their business. One is expanding, the other pulling back. The company that is expanding is a conglomerate. It's really got to focus on sustainable infrastructure, property, connectivity. And the company that is pulling back is a real estate investment trust. So my two stocks in focus are Keppel Corp and Manulife US REIT. Let's start with the REIT. Manulife US REIT really has no choice but to make changes. Look at the value of its portfolio. It's dropped so much it can no longer afford to pay distributions to unit holders. That is a violation of REIT rules or to use... The more formal terminology, Many Life US REIT has breached its financial covenant, but it is now trying to get back on track. So what exactly is Manulife US REIT going to do and how really is it going to come back into compliance given REIT regulations, also the need to regain investor trust? Yeah, so this is pretty much the problem in the US being reflected in the situation at Manulife US REIT. And if you've been following, you've got rates staying quite elevated that's been putting pressure on the property market in the US especially when it comes to the commercial side of things so this is where MUST like you pointed out has seen its portfolio valuations drop 14.6% and in line with those valuations it impacts the ratios that it's borrowed money against so if you look at the thresholds for example the unencumbered debt to unencumbered assets that's exceeded the 60% threshold is gearing limit is also broken through the 50% threshold. So this is now seeing MUSC trying to figure out how to get money to keep the lights on and continue paying its investors down the road. So this is where they are looking to divest, sell its stuff. And among the things on its selling list is Park Place property in Arizona. So that's going to be sold to its sponsor to bring in $98.7 million. And it's also going to borrow some money from its sponsor. A six-year loan of $137 million at an interest rate of 7.25%. So all in some um, well, tough times it will have to overcome. That's it. So, sounds like Monopoly really. Manulife US REIT selling its Park Place property over in Arizona. Right? Sounds like Monopoly. The sale will reap nearly 100 million US dollars in real money though. The REIT sponsor meanwhile is going to loan it money but investors will still need to wait till the end of 2025 before they receive any distributions again. So, do you think these fixes are going to be enough to really revitalize Manulife US REIT? And also, will investors be willing to hold the stock if there are no distributions? Well, that's a good question. If you're an investor, are you going to stick around or find a more efficient opportunity elsewhere? Mm. Something that's going to get better exposure because um, if you look at the commercial real estate sector in US, a lot of people have been quite bearish on it. They haven't called a bottom on it yet. And the debate around where rates are going is still up in the air. So that could continue to linger for who knows how long. So as an investor, you've got to really have a long-term horizon on MUST. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I guess the good news is MUST's sponsor is quite supportive and they've stepped in to do a couple of things that we've talked about. So on that front, it is encouraging they've got the backing in place.
Manulife U.S. REIT units fell 2% yesterday. In fact, they are down more than 75% over the past 12 months. Let's move to Keppel Corp now. It is planning to spend more than a billion dollars, half now, half in five years, meant to expand the footprint beyond Asia-Pacific and purchase one of Europe's leading asset managers. The acquisition target is called Airmont Capital, and the purchase will increase Keppel assets under management by nearly 50%. So what do we know about Airmont? Yeah, so 50% for $517 million. Mm. So Airmont is one of the biggest asset managers in Europe and it's got a pretty good track record of 16 years enjoying a gross internal rate of return of 25%. So pretty much doing pretty decently in the past decade or so. And this is going to be good news for Capo because it gets a huge stake into a player in Europe. So if you think about potential synergies, what Capo has in terms of property plays, plus what else beyond the property side, you have a pretty good potential for it to explore further growth. So I think this is where Capo is thinking, hey, maybe this is a good acquisition. And it's going to be funded through a combination of cash and Treasury shares that Apple bought earlier through share buybacks. So it looks like a pretty attractive deal on the table. So Airmon is one of the largest property owners in Europe. It has investments in some 10 cities. So how do you think this purchase could affect or change Keppel? Yeah, so if you lay it out on the table, uh, Airmon has assets in the office, student, accommodation side of things, workhouse or workforce housing, mm-hmm. luxury hospitality, production, studio infrastructure sectors. So it's pretty much having its finger in a few different places when it comes to real estate in Europe. So it's a huge player in Europe. And for Capo, it's going to be a big play expanding beyond Asia, which I think is something it's been trying to do for quite some time. So it just jumpstarts that plan to go bigger into a new market and reverse or rather conversely, you've got M1 being able to leverage on what Capo has, which is things like smart city technologies and also um, some of the energy assets, digital transformation plays, urbanization. So there are synergies that can be potentially unlocked between both players and also the talent that Capo will be able to take on because of the senior team that comes along with the experience in Europe. So quite a good jumpstart for Keppel getting into Europe. An interesting and strong fit then between Keppel and Airmont. Let's check in on US markets. Gainers outnumber decliners. A margin of nearly 2 to 1 on New York Stock Exchange. Uh, that's the outnumbering gainers. Hmm, look at that. But the major indices finished flat or they drifted lower due to a late session pullback. Really, the shares of big tech companies like Meta, and Alphabet. The Nasdaq finished down 0.1%. The S&P 500 closed out the day in the red as well. All right, let's look at corporate news. Up or down style, up or down for the big oil company, Philips 66. Yeah, I am going with up because Mm. the activist fund is going big into Philips and this is where it's trying to get a bigger say in the fortunes of uh, Philips 66 with a $1 billion stake and as part of the deal they want 
more bought seats, as many as two bought seats. So that will help them to steer the direction of a company which they believe has been underperforming. So if we stack it up next to its competitors, Philips shares are up 13% year-to-date. Marathon Petroleum up 29%. Another rival, Veluro, pretty much um, up about 124% in the past three years versus Philips' 88% gain. Mm. So on those fronts, you can tell Philips has been lagging a bit. And this is where Elliot is thinking, hey, I can come in, turn the company around, make it more efficient. And some of the criticisms that has come forth in recent times is how Elliot has been drifting away from his focus from really refining segment. So that could be one area they could explore to improve the company's performance. Interesting. It's an up in my books as well for Philip 66 because, as you heard, one of the world's largest activist funds, Elliot Management, taking that $1 billion US dollar stake, it is also reportedly seeking two board seats. Philip 66, if we take a step back, has been underperforming its main competitors, but Elliot does believe that the stock has potential to rise 75%. Definitely an up for me. Let's look at the Singapore-listed Chinese electric vehicle maker, NIO. Yeah, I'm going up with this one. NIO is signing an agreement with Geely Automobile Holding for what is described as a strategic, comprehensive cooperation agreement on battery swapping. So imagine that. You don't have to bother with the... Incompatibility of different car models, different brands. Uh, in time to come, maybe we will be having a more universal standard when it comes to batteries. So if your battery is out of charge, you can find it more easily. And also when it comes to fixing, maintenance, upgrading and so on, there are more synergies. So I think it's an up for NEO. I think it's an interesting idea. So NIO has signed this battery swapping deal, right? And Geely Mobile is one of China's biggest independent car makers. So NIO has signed a, a, a battery swapping deal with, with Geely. And this is NIO's, by the way, second battery swapping partnership across the past fortnight. Building battery swap stations, though, is expensive. So these deals should help NEO save money, something analysts believe is necessary because NEO has yet to post a profit. Our next entry from the currency markets is where I'm heading to. How are the Aussie and New Zealand dollars? Yeah, I am going up. And this is where we've got the Kiwi dollar pretty much in focus these days. And this is after the RBNZ, the central bank, surprised market watchers with a more hawkish tone. So much so that it saw a bit of an immediate knee-jerk reaction after the announcement or after the signal that inflation perhaps in New Zealand remains too high, which indicates perhaps the RBNZ might need to hike rates down the road. And that saw a bit of maybe short covering. I think a lot of people were looking for the opposite direction in terms of signals. So they were caught out and that saw a bounce in the Kiwi dollar. I think there's a similar tune coming through for the Aussie dollar as well, where inflation is still looking a bit of a concern, which supports the need for rates to stay higher for longer. Yeah, so the US dollar softening, Aussie and Kiwi dollars getting stronger. In fact, they hit their highest levels yesterday in four months. So that is an up for me as well for the Aussie and Kiwi currencies. Next up, let's look at Asia Pacific breweries. Yeah, this is 
a down for me sure. And I think for many people as well Who are involved So 33 workers retrenched In the latest restructuring exercise And based on reports They did not see it coming I think a lot of people did not see it coming Because based on what we know In public at least The company seems to be doing well Recent results have been quite decent So this was rather in the sense of the blue for the folks involved and that's what they said talking to the media uh, so all part of the restructuring by the parent company so it is going to in total involve 380 people affected across the total workforce so that's about 8% not a good look definitely giving Tiger Brewery a down on the back of those layoffs finally let's look at the locally listed property developer YTC Corporation alright YTC Corporation uh, this is where it is the, I guess, franchise holder for Spinelli Coffee, which is a US brand. And I think for many folks who grew up around places like the CBD, this would be a familiar brand. Because for me, when I was working there, this was the go-to place for me. It was just right <laughs> opposite my office at the back then known as Straits Trading Building, now MYP Center. So, oh, fancy. Yeah, so my go-to drink, well, fond memories. <laughs> and I think that's what it's going to be now, a memory. That's because all. it's shutting down all of its outlets in Singapore. And it sounds a bit like Deja Vu because we've been talking about another coffee brand shutting down in Singapore. So that was Flash Coffee. Oh, and yes. then you had Spinelli. Now you have Spinelli Coffee shutting down and you have to, I guess, ask the question, what's going on? Maybe it's, it's a coffee saturation now in the market? Yeah. Well, Flash was a startup. I remember having them in the studio talking to them when they first uh, were getting things going. So much optimism. But Spinelli, what a huge name. YTC uh, was what we started with, right? So you might think, what's the link? So YTC is, is best known for their hotels. But back in the 1990s, they also bought Spinelli coffee. They brought it here to Singapore. And at its height, there were 28 Spinelli outlets across the island today. There are six before this giant pullout, of course, in a couple of weeks, there will be zero. Uh, YTC has been quietly pulling out of the coffee business, shutting its remaining Spinelli outlets. I know there are going to be a lot of disappointed fans at NUS, Raffles Key, Changi Business Park. So that is definitely a down for YTC. All right, before I go grab my coffee, I am so easily influenced by what I talk about. Excellent. And that is your overview of Markets in Minutes. I'm Michelle Martin. He's Ryan Wong. Thank you for your company. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.